what is going on podcast world welcome back to another episode of this blossom life with kimberly and rye it's rye here today i'm playing solo and i have a very special guest with me she's my go-to lady she's a little spitfire she is not your average graham so graham welcome to the pod thank you (laughs) so today i just wanted to go through your whole life story oh god right Um, and just hear from you. We love you. You're my go-to lady when I'm having a mental breakdown. I'll call you. You talk me off my, my cliff and good. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your childhood and leading into your young adult years, your life. My childhood. What did your childhood look like? Uh, my childhood was pretty normal. You know, I was born in 51 and my mom and dad my dad was the breadwinner, and my mom stayed home and wore the apron and made the jello salad, mm-hmm. you know. Ew. Well, that's what people <laughs> did back then. All right. <clears throat> that was the wonderful stuff back then. You put all kinds of stuff in there. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, so my dad worked it, uh, uh, in the missile world, you know, when, when uh, the Cold War was in full form. And um, they had a... Uh, pretty good marriage until I was about 10 or 11 and I think my father got to the point where he realized that what he had wasn't what he wanted and so he started making moves outside of the relationship and my mother fell apart Mm. and so um thank god I don't know why but I'm a pretty strong person I always have been even as a child and so seeing my mother be an emotional in, in emotional distress all the time, I think strengthened my perseverance mm-hmm. and my self-motivation and um, made me realize that that was how I did not ever want to be. And so um, uh, then my mother went through a series of, um, and my father did succeed and accomplish what he wanted and found a partner who was uh, completely opposite of my mother, a very strong woman Mm -hmm. who was a good human. And um, my mother had a series of boyfriends and ended up marrying someone out of desperation. And so that was another life lesson for me, you know, that I didn't ever want to be in that place or put myself in that place or be dependent Mm -hmm. on someone to take care of me. Yeah. And so um, I was pregnant and married at 17. Because I wanted the hell out of that house. Right. Yeah. And you were an only child. I was an only child, yes. But I wasn't an indulged only child the way kids are now. Mm -hmm. You know, my folks didn't have a lot of money. They had enough. And uh, my mom, even though she was an emotional disaster, she was smart. She was intelligent. Okay. So she got, had good jobs. You know, she worked as a stenographer. She worked as a... Uh, secretary for uh, engineers at mm-hmm. McClellan and Aerojet. She was a librarian. Mm-hmm. You know, she had a lot of really good jobs, but yeah. she wasn't emotionally strong enough to keep them. How were you treated as a child between your parents? My dad was very tough. It was okay. black and white, mm-hmm. um, uh, like kind of very regimented, you know, like army right. kind of, you know, okay. expected girls to do what boys did. And that was good. Oh yeah. Okay. That toughened me up. Cause he had horses and cows and you know, we, we, I had two stepsisters when he married his wife. 
about the same age as me. We were 11, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, were out raking horse stalls and, yeah. you know, doing Structure. the stuff that, yeah, that boys, you would think boys would do and not girls. So that was good because it taught me that I'm capable. Right. You know. That's good. Um, my mother, um, ooh. My mother was, I told you, an emotional emotional distress most of the time. She would get up every morning and cry before she went to work. Mm -hmm. You know, she she was good to me, um, but I didn't respect her because I looked at her as weak. Mm. So she treated me well. She was an English major in college, and she was always correcting my English. And that used to make me feel small or no it didn't make me feel small it annoyed me yeah you know because I knew what I wanted to say but now when I look back on it I I feel like it was a benefit because my vocabulary I'm complimented on my vocabulary and so uh and my English the way I structure things so I I don't see it as a bad thing but my mom um was um very religious she looked to religion to answer every question okay and um, the way I see religion is that you um, ask our Heavenly Father for inner strength mm-hmm. and the ability to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. That's good. Mm-hmm. You don't look to Him to answer your problems mm-hmm. unless it's sending someone your way that, you know, is right. going to build your life a little better or something. So I, I kind of veered away from religion um, because it was like she was shoving it down my throat. Okay. Yeah, that's and, common. Um, and she was searching, searching, searching for answers that she didn't think she had herself, even though she did. Right. And so I was raised as a Baptist, an American Baptist, which is a very democratic church. Mm. Uh, and I was active. I was baptized. I was in the choir. That's where I met my first husband, in the youth group. Oh, you right. know, Yeah. Oh. Um, we had a very good um, youth leader. It was Bob Cooley, who one of the yeah. schools is named after. He yeah. was the youth leader back wow. then. Yeah. And I made a lot of good, uh, healthy relationship friends in the church. Um, and, but, but when I was in high school, my mother was searching, like I said. So we were Unitarian. We were Lutheran. She had Got the it. Mormon elders come to our house. And I, she made me sit through that. And mm-hmm. I didn't like that. But okay. I was 16. Right. You know, so um, it didn't hurt me. Yeah. It didn't hurt me. She she was active in the Mormon church at one time in her life, and I, and she did ask me to go to some of the functions that they had, and they were very healthy and productive, like um, uh, cooking classes and sh- uh-huh. sewing and crocheting. So that part of it I liked. I just didn't believe in their doctrine. Okay. So because you viewed her as emotionally weak, yes. do you feel like you had to overcompensate by being independent and strong? Yes. So it's interesting. I didn't know this about you that you were involved with churches and that you actually met Ray yes, in a church. So I did. So, are you willing to speak light on your guys' relationship? Oh, sure, sure. How yeah. did that? I, I feel I like have, that took a turn. I don't. I don't think there's anything in my life that I wouldn't talk to you about. Okay. Yeah. So, so then your young adult years. Uh-huh. So then you were married and pregnant at seventeen. You said. I was. I got pregnant on purpose okay. because I wanted out of my mother's house because her husband was inappropriate. I had to think about what word to choose there. Do you have some childhood trauma there? No, I don't have childhood trauma. I have memories because I was strong enough and smart enough yeah. to dissuade it. Right. And um, 
just a couple things, but they were, you know, clues that I needed to get the hell out of there. Okay. And I remember talking to Ray about it, and right. we, we devised the plan. Okay. Yeah. So what did that marriage look like? What were the time frames for that? When I married Ray, I was 17. My mom had to go, and his mom had to go up to the county recorder's office <laughs> and sign so that we could get married. Right. Because <clears throat> he, was, he was 19 and I was 17. Okay. And when I think about being 17 and being pregnant and married, I think, holy moly. Yeah. I mean, my God, I was a baby. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but times were a little different back then, and things were not as um, accepted. So if you were pregnant, you got married. There was no question about it. Right. I remember my mother telling me I was the black sheep of the family because mm. nobody in the family had ever, that had never happened to them. Right. That marriage was very tumultuous. Ray was from a railroad family. His dad was gone a lot of the time, and he was uh, a functioning alcoholic, his father was, and so he grew up with that example. He was a verbal and physical abuser. So when you guys first met and you guys were active in the church, was that, was he like that? No. Okay. But then he didn't have the stressors okay. that you okay. have when you, yeah, when you get married and you, you have know, and, yeah. And you don't ever really know anyone. I don't care no. how long you know them until you live with them day to day, mm, you know? So, and I was very young and very impressionable and mm. I was, even though I didn't realize it, I was pretty protected. Mm. You know, I didn't see that, um, cussing, uh, drinking, uh, uh, physically abused. I never saw any of that when I was growing up. Wow, what None a blessing. Of it. Yes. Wow. So I was pretty protected. So then I was like, you know, I dove into this relationship and it, I had all that right away. Wow. So that made me feel, at first, I remember feeling um, belittled mm. and worthless mm -hmm. and um, not appreciated. Right. And... Um, I didn't like the place I was, right. and that made me get tough. Mm, that's good. Because I still had that inner, you know, yeah, I, you I was not, you. I never was beat down no matter how much was done, mm -hmm. you know, what things happened, and I became a little too tough. I was going to ask, did you yeah. become a product of that environment? Oh, absolutely. Because that sounds like a really big whirlwind of going from this protective, uh -huh. or, you know, maybe naive of the evils of the world Absolutely. and then being in this environment that sounds like a whole whirlwind did you feel like you what were you feeling when all of that was happening do you remember I I didn't know how to react yeah I remember uh, being in the kitchen one time in Ray's family home and his mom his dad had come home from work and he was so drunk he could hardly speak mm. and his mom was trying to uh, feed him, feed Russell. Mm. And he took the plate and threw it across the room. Wow. And it was like, I remember my mouth dropping open right. because I had never seen or witnessed anything like that before. So right. it was shocking. Mm -hmm. It was shocking, but it wasn't uh, overwhelming. I just knew I needed to get the heck out of there. Right. You know, which is what I did. And so the problem with that lifestyle was because Ray was witness to it, he... And, I, and I've learned this about life. It doesn't matter what kind of a relation, what kind of an environment you grow up in, you believe that that's normal mm -hmm. until you get outside of it and you can look back at it and evaluate what happened and where you were and how you felt and 
is that right or is that wrong? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and learn to set your own parameters about where you want your life to go. Mm -hmm. So Ray thought that that was a perfectly acceptable way to live. And so that was the way he treated me. Mm. Yeah. And that was, that was pretty hard because, you know, I was uh, hit Mm. and shoved Mm -hmm. and, you know, spoken to like I was gutter trash Mm. and you don't talk to people that you love like they're worthless Mm -hmm. you know if if you do then there's something wrong with you right and I didn't realize that until I had been in the marriage for a while and I started I I started thinking oh wait what's going on here I need to I need to read something or I need to you know some I I need to be I want my eyes opened about what's happening and how I can fix it Mm -hmm. and back in the 80s they had books that were called um they were self-help books, but they were your inner child mm-hmm. and good. why do uh, good women choose bad men? Mm-hmm. You know, so I started reading all these books and it was like a whole different world opened up to me. And then I realized how I put, how I had put myself in that situation and what I needed to do to either fix it with cooperation from him or bail. Um. I want to ask, what were the expectations for marriage like back then? So did this dysfunction, this abuse is happening, was it common to not talk about it and you just lived through it? Yes, it was common to not talk about it. Not only that, it was a railroad kind of lifestyle. Okay. So the social life that we had was all built on the men that he worked with and their wives. Okay. And their wives were home by themselves raising their children and the men would go to work and Okay. Okay. To continue. All right. So in the eighties, drugs and drugs were real popular. So right. Ray was a cocaine guy because, okay. you know, they would work sixteen hours. They could work sixteen hours, and then they would go between here and Reno, and they wanted to party. Mm-hmm. So they would, you know, do the drugs and drink and party, and then they'd work another sixteen hours home, and that was why he was dead at thirty nine. Wow. Thirty nine. That's young. Were you Were you guys still married? Uh, no, we had, we had divorced and he had remarried. So let's go back a little bit. So it was an abusive, um, relationship, but it was normal for railroaders. So if I talked to somebody that was, uh, married to another engineer, they had very similar lifestyles. Okay. You know, so it wasn't, uh, I, so I didn't feel like mine was way out of the realm of ordinary because, we had like lifestyles, mm-hmm. yeah. And would you say you would participate in, um, like the social realms of it? Like, like would you go out and party too? Oh yeah. Or were, oh okay. yeah. So that I was, I was home with the kids most of the time, and it was good. You know, I have to thank Ray for a lot because even though it was not the most wonderful relationship, I was still able to stay home and raise my children. Yeah. I was. I cooked. I sewed, mm-hmm. I crocheted, you know, I, I was able to be there for my kids every day. And um, so that part of the lifestyle was a benefit to me. And so you had an, a daughter and then a son and then your younger daughter. Yes. So how long were you guys married or for how long were you married in total? Seven, years? 17 years. 17 years. Mm-hmm. How old were you when he, when you, when you divorced him or when you guys were divorced? Let me see. That was in 1986, so I would have been 34. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And what did that feel like? Free. Yeah. Free, but... Um, and I was glad for that. I was glad I didn't have that cloud over my head all the time. Yeah. Because Ray was 
a threatener, you know, mm-hmm. and he would threaten to do me harm okay. and, you know, because he wanted to scare me. Did he treat the kids like that? Yep. How did you navigate that? Well, he didn't treat the kids like that until uh, my oldest daughter was about 15. Okay. And, um, and this was when I made the decision that I was going to bail no matter okay. what. And I had never worked before. Oh, wow. And I had a comfortable lifestyle, but she came home from somewhere and he was uh, in the chair in the living room and um, he said something to her and she answered him back and he called her one of the worst names I've ever heard anyone call a woman and she was 15. Wow. And something went click in my head. Right. You know, I don't, if you want to talk to me that way, I'm strong enough and I can bear it, but you are not going to talk to my children that way. And so right. that's when I decided I was going to start exploring avenues of escape. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what did that look like? So you got a job and you saved I had up, never but... worked before. Right. And so I talked to... Um, my stepsister, who was a year younger than me, and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, well, you know how to cook mm. and you know kitchens. She said, go to the school district because they have kitchens and, or go to a hospital. Right. So I went to both. I went wow. to a school district uh, and interviewed, and they hired me on the spot. And uh, after I had worked that job for a while in school cafeterias, mm-hmm. Uh, washing dishes and wiping tables and helping prep food. I went and put my application in at the hospital and they hired me. Mm-hmm. So for a while I worked two jobs. Mm-hmm. I would go in the morning and work in the school district and then I would go at night and work at the hospital. And how old were the kids? Uh, Carrie was 16 or 17 and Rob was 11 and Ivy was 8. I think that's about right. Yeah, okay. 7 or 8. Yeah. So they were... You know, Carrie helped me a lot because she was old enough to watch them while I worked. Right. Yeah. And she worked. You know, um, I was not, uh, I was a very strict mother. I know I was. I was very regimented, completely opposite than my mother was. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I probably could have been more patient and kinder. I know I could have. Mm-hmm. That there, I have no regrets about if there was only one thing I taught my children how to do, it was how to work. Right. They all had a job when they were 15. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I instilled a work ethic in them, good on me. Okay. That's good. And so how long were, did you live by yourself? Were you a single mom then for a short period I was a single, of time? I was a single mom for about five years, four or five years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a big chunk. Yeah. And how, how was that for you? Did you just work? And take care of the kids and at I, that And point. I also partied. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. What was that scene like? That was the disco days. Okay. You know, <laughs> and I lived 10 minutes away from Bobby McGee's. Okay. So that was, you know, it was, I could get my kids already, feed them, get them all ready for bed, get all their homework done and get ready for school. And then yeah. I would leave and go out at night at 10 o'clock at night and go and party for a couple hours and then come home. Okay. Yeah. So it was, uh, and it was, uh, what was it? It was an ego builder for me. Okay. Because um, uh, I, I found out that I was attractive to other, to the opposite sex instead of feeling browbeat and unattractive and not appreciated. It was the opposite. Do you yeah. think that was like a healthy way for you no. to find that? Absolutely that... not. No. 
Of course like, it wasn't. Okay. But when you're in an emotional state or when you're vulnerable. in a... when you're Yeah, you're vulnerable and you're in a period of crisis where you're looking to be loved, mm-hmm. you make a lot of mistakes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So after the four or five years... Um, you found your second husband? I did. I met my second husband at work. Okay. He was a chef, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, a kitchen aide, you know. Um, and um, he was completely the opposite of Ray. He mm-hmm. was um, quiet. He was reserved. He was uh, logical. He was uh, sedate. Mm-hmm. Was that, were you looking for stability yes. then? Yes. I wasn't looking for it in another person. Right. But I, I, I liked, that was attractive to me. And he was big. He was six foot five and he weighed <laughs> 220 pounds. So, yeah. so that was a, a source of... Um, to draw, to paint the picture. How tall are you? I'm 5'2". Right, yeah. So I came, my head came up to his armpit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, it, but he was a... A source of um, security for mm-hmm. me because I knew if Ray came around, I didn't have to worry about my physicality. Right. And which I, I did. Right. Yeah. Was he about your party lifestyle? Did you stop partying? No, I, I wasn't partying by then because okay. by then I had a full time job at the hospital. Got it. And I had to be there at five o'clock in the morning. So the party right. days went out the window. Okay. No, no more partying. I got that all over with in the few years that I was by myself. Did you? Yeah, and I had a series of boyfriends. Okay. You know, none of them that I considered to be serious. Right. Um, we call that situationships. <laughs> situationships. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. In what years did you feel, did you ever, do you feel like you really fully figured out who you are? Yep. Or who you were? Yep. When, when did that happen for you? What did that look like? Um, that happened in my, uh, probably in my early 40s. Okay. I think by the time... Were you still with your second husband? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I was doing well in my job. I had progressed uh, into a management position. Okay. Um, I, uh, we had purchased a home. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, mm, uh, my, I think I knew what my priorities were in, the, in a relationship. Uh, I knew who I was as a person, my flaws, mm. as well as my strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because when you go into a management position, and that was a good challenge for me, your supervisors will point out what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. And um, it was uh, constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. And it was a little, it was a hard pill to swallow at yep. first. But then I realized that it was only going to benefit me. It's an opportunity for growth. Absolutely mm-hmm. true. Yeah. And so I, I feel like I did. Yeah, I did figure out what it was I wanted and, and who I was as a human. And mm-hmm. yeah. Did you ever feel insecurities? What were your insecurities? And did that drive the choices that you made? Insecurities. I don't. That word is, um, I don't use that word in my vocabulary. Really? You never had throughout your life? You never felt like you had insecurities? Really? I don't think so. Oh. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, I insecurities. You mean money-wise or relationship-wise? About or? yourself. Like, did you ever feel, you know, 
I know I went through a period of, or I still actually struggle with this. I'm going to be, have humility here, but, um, I'll feel like not good enough or not worthy enough in my work position that I'm in or as a mother. And sometimes I'll let those evil thoughts kind of take over me and I'll talk myself out of, um, stepping into certain leadership roles at work or whatever it may be, because I feel too, like I'm, I feel like I couldn't do it. No, I don't ever remember feeling that way. I was kind of like a bull in a china shop. So I was so busy leading my life from day to day and accomplishing what I needed to accomplish that I didn't feel insecure. Only when I look back now, and and I did too when I was in my 40s, at the mistakes I made and what I did that could have been better, uh, did I realize what could have been different and probably benefited me and the people that I was involved with. But I don't remember feeling insecure. I've never felt like I couldn't do something. Hmm. That's awesome. I don't know why. I, don't, I guess great. I'm blessed. I'm blessed because <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I just, You're I'm just, just a, like I push that. myself forward. I haven't ever been, been afraid to attempt something. If I fail, I fail. I'm not afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't um, define who I am. Mm, right. It's a lesson learned. Wisdom is gained through suffering. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So I was over at your house a lot when I was little. You were. Um, how old were you when I was over there? Oh, gosh. I don't In my 40s, in your wasn't 40s? I? Yeah, I was okay. in my middle or late 40s. Yeah. Yeah. And at what period of time... Um, did I stop seeing you? You and my mom kind of had a, a falling out. Your mom and I had a falling out when I left Bob. Okay. Because she didn't think it was the right thing for me to do. Right. And I didn't care what she thought. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And so she, um, she thought I was making a mistake and she thought it, I think your, your mom is very, or she was then very, um, family structure she wanted the family to have a strong structure and I think she felt like since I was the matriarch of the family Mm -hmm. that if I uh, changed things it was going to affect everybody in the in the family unit and um, uh, I love your mom but uh, I have my own life Mm -hmm. and uh, I happiness in life is very important Uh, you know and I haven't ever been afraid to jump out of a situation where I had tried and tried and tried and given and given and compromised and compromised and it didn't matter what I did, it didn't work, then it's time for you to jump. Right. And so that's what I did and that's when your mother and I had the falling out. And how old was I? I think you were like seven or eight. Wow. Because you had you were cheering then yeah. and I think you were seven or because you were at my house all the all time. All the time. Yeah. When I wasn't working. Right. You know, yeah, you were you would come over and spend the night, yeah. you know, and we would do things. That was when I introduced you to Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and Yes. <laughs> and I ended up meeting Arnold Schwarzenegger in Maui. <laughs> and I told him Oh yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watch um Gosh, what was uh, Conan? Conan. The Barbarian. Yes. My grandma, and he was like, wow. <laughs> I still watch that. I like it, yeah. Um, how did now I... your son watches it with me. Okay, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was, what, was there an ultimatum there? I, I just, there was such a period, how long did I not see you for? Like, at least 10 years, because I remember, I've, or maybe 
around then because I remember feeling resentment as a teenager when all of the sudden we were allowed to see you again or you came back into our lives. I think you were about 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because you were very active in your cheer career at high school. Uh And I don't know what changed. I, I, I remember... I remember when I was working up at Auburn, and that was my management job, that I would stop at your house when when your mom was married to John, the first house they lived in. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, your mother wanted to corner me and ask me questions that I thought were none of her business. Mm. And John jumped on the bandwagon mm. and was in my face, and I, I stood my ground and said, we're not doing this. Right. Goodbye. You know, okay. and I left. Um, that was, but it didn't, that didn't, because your uh, Carson was three. Right. You know, so that wasn't, that was the beginning of the um, reuniting. And I think that um, your mom and John realized that they could only push me so far, but mm-hmm. that I, I did really want to see you grandchildren and spend right. time with you. So I think that they, um, I think their priorities changed and I think that they just accepted me for the way I was instead of the way they wanted me to be. Because mm. your mom wants people to be a certain way and is very adamant and um, assertive about that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't do anybody any good. Mm-hmm. Just my opinion. Right. Do you think that's her way of, I don't know, was she trying to protect us? Well, I wasn't doing you any harm. Okay. Now, I don't, don't I don't know so? whether it was about you or about her. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was hurtful. How did you feel during those years not seeing us? Because I remember being over there a lot with you. Yeah. So. Uh, it was, um, uh, it was sad. You know, yeah. it was, you know, holiday times and birthdays and all that. It was, it was um, uh, out of my control. Yeah. I feel like you have really good survival instincts of just being able to cut certain emotions off. Is that fair to say or no? Absolutely true. I learned that when I was 18 or 19 years old. Is you that cut a positive things. or a negative? It's a negative. It's <laughs> yeah. a negative. I'm, I'm, not as, I'm not as much that way as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, it used to be black and white. Right. You know, but it's uh, when you age mm-hmm. and you reflect on your life, those of us who do, mm-hmm. you... you um, you see the effects of extreme uh, behavior, mm-hmm. and uh, then you choose whether or not you want to change, or not, you know, mm-hmm. or whether you want to not change. Right. Yeah, but I am very capable of cutting things off really quickly. Me too. And I don't, I don't see that as a negative. My, that's a survival technique. It's a survival tactic. And I, I don't, I don't see that as a negative. If it doesn't hurt anybody, how is that a negative? I know. I have mixed feelings about when it. When you cut someone off that you feel is doing you harm or mm-hmm. not is not a good influence in your life, that's a self-defense mechanism, and I don't see that as harmful. Right. Because if they were doing you good and right. they were in your life and making you feel the way that people should loved and cared for and appreciated, then you wouldn't be cutting them right. off. So I don't see it as a negative. That's good. That's good. Um, I don't know whether that's correct or not, but that's the way my, my interpretation of it. Yeah. Right. No, I like that. Do you hold regrets for many choices in your life? Nope. If you're going to regret it, if you're going to regret it, don't do it. How do you, you ask God for forgiveness. It's good. That's good. That's a hard one. It is. It gets easier as you get older. 
because you're going to die. <laughs> no, it, it gets easier because it's not the other people in your life. It, you have to you have to forgive yourself. Yeah. You know, yes, did I screw up? Of course I did. A hundred thousand times. Right. Do I look back on things and think, oh my God, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? Why did you say, of course. But you're only a human being and God made us human and you have to learn how to forgive yourself. You have to ask God for forgiveness or you have to ask God to teach you to forgive yourself. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, and you have to ask over and over and over and over and over mm-hmm. and eventually you do or don't. Right. You know, but um, there was a saying that I cut out when I left Bob <clears throat> And I met Dawn, mm-hmm. and it said, uh, "Live your life with no regrets." Mm-hmm. You know, it, I can't remember where I found it, but it was like it went bing. You know, don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, and don't worry about what happened yesterday. Just learn from it and move on. Yeah, don't don't think. Well, I don't really want to. I shouldn't really go to that because it would cause this and this. Just do it. Right. Do it. Live your life. Live your life every day like it's the last day you're going to live. Because who knows? You could get in your car and be in a fatal car accident. Or, you know, so you treat your children the best you can. You love the people. You let the people who mean something to you know that you love them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you treat yourself well. Yeah. The best you can under any given circumstances. You know? Yeah. Do you want to speak about your... Third marriage? Sure, if you want me to, I will, yeah. Okay. That so was you, crazy. I was looking for love again. Okay. Because Bob was very cold. Right. He was um he was a good person and he but he was very selfish, okay. very self centered, and uh had never been married and didn't have any children. Was he narcissistic? No, I don't think he was narcissistic. Okay. No, but he was very self-centered. You know, he knew okay. what he wanted and he would only, uh, I remember one, and he helped me learn a lot about myself mm-hmm. and he helped me learn a lot about relationships. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one time uh, 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 your mom and Rob were still living at home. They were in high school and uh, we were going to go up to one of my auntie's house for the mm-hmm. 4th of July and have a family barbecue and blah, 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 blah. And I and Bob didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And I said, "What do you mean you don't want to go? It's my family." He goes, "Yeah, it's your family. It mm-hmm. only matters to you." Wow. And I remember thinking, "What the heck?" Right. But that was a good lesson for me because that's the truth of that is it. The truth. That's the truth of it. Sure. Yeah. So I learned, even though I had been single, and learned how to do things for myself, it made me even more independent because I was in a committed relationship with him. But it taught me that if there was really something that I wanted to do, then that was about me, not about anybody else. And that if I really wanted to do it, I should go do it. Did you feel lonely? Was that a lonely relationship then? Uh, not until the last, not until I went into management because Bob had uh, an ego problem and he was jealous of the fact that I had moved into management and he was still, and we worked in two different hospitals, so that right. was good. Yeah, he resented that. Okay. Yeah, I remember when I uh, left him and we had discussions after I had left him about uh, why and what and all that. And he said, but, but you can't live, you can't leave because I need two incomes. Wow. 
So it put things in perspective for me about for sure. the fact that I hadn't made a mistake by leaving because it let me know exactly what I meant. Right. So I appreciated his honesty. Even though it was shocking, mm-hmm. I still appreciated it because it validated my decision. Mm, that's good. Were you like in love with him? Bob? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So then that led you, you guys to Don. Split up. To yeah. Don. Yeah, Don. Don was lovable, sweet, big teddy bear. Uh, wanted, all he wanted to do was please me. And you guys had known each other for how long? Since, oh, I met him when I was 25 and he was 22. He was my best friend's younger brother. Mm-hmm. And he had come home from the Marines and he was visiting at home. And I met him and, and there was an immediate attraction and an immediate like he was funny he was made jokes all the time he was bubbly you know and he he saw you through all the years oh yeah we would see each other every so often because uh because his sister was my best friend when it was christmas time he would bring his wife and his son and we would all spend the holidays you know for a day right a day here and a day there you know the fourth of july or something yeah so i saw him all through the years but not on a frequent basis. Maybe every three or four years I would see him. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying like the evolution of who you were. Yes. Like he saw the mess and the yeah. good parts. So he really saw yeah. all of you throughout yeah. all the years. Yes, he did. Right. Yeah. So then you guys. He knew me pretty well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then you guys, what was, what was. Well, the story? you know the story. Uh, he came, he was um, an electrician by trade. But Don was very good with his hands. He could build anything, plumb, you know, carpenter, everything. So when I was married to Bob, we had a home and we wanted to redecorate it. Uh And so I had met Don and his wife and son at Donna's house for a New Year's Eve party, which Bob chose not to go to. Mm -hmm. I was by myself. And so I asked Don because I knew I could trust him. You know, he wouldn't like, you know, try to pull the wool. Yeah. If he was interested, and he said, yeah, he would come over and look at it. So he and Bob uh, decided what was going to be done and how much money was going to exchange hands. And the next thing I knew, he was in my house uh, redecorating, you know, pulling up floors and knocking down walls and putting in new bathrooms and all that. So that was how we uh, reestablished our relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it went a step further. Right. Yeah. He was in a marriage that was not... Um, fulfilling to him and I was in a marriage that was not fulfilling to me and we looked to each other for um, kindness love and uh-huh. and we found it and, and so yeah how old were you guys at this point oh I was 54 and he was 51 do you feel like you just take life for the ride that it is yep yeah that gives me anxiety thinking about uprooting my life again at I haven't ever been afraid to do that mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because I trust myself yeah. and I know I have inner strength. You'll be okay no matter the And I could earn my own living by that time. Right. And um, I think that God put us on earth to be happy human beings. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you put yourself in a situation where you're not happy and fulfilled, you have every capability and you owe it to yourself to change that. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I'm breaking any of God's laws. And I don't feel like I'm being untrue or unfaithful or disrespect. I don't, I don't, I don't have a negative connotation about it. I feel like um, I've always followed my gut instinct. I, it hasn't always been accurate. 
but God must have his hand on my head because most of the time it is. Mm. And I wasn't sorry, you know, that I left Bob because obviously all I meant to him was a paycheck. Right. And Donnie was this big, lovable, you know, <clears throat> easygoing, I thought, kind of guy mm. that was, you know, wanted to live life. And so we took off. And how long was that honeymoon period? How long did you guys go do life and be fun? And For about the first eight years that we were married. We oh, were wow. mar- Yeah, we were married for 13. Right. So, yeah, we would take off and, you know, uh, rent a Corvette and yeah. go up to the ocean, you know, <laughs> drive around. And yeah. we went on a cruise and I was snorkeling. And, you know, I had never been snorkeling before. And we went to concerts and yeah. we did all the things that we both had wanted to do, but were held back right. for one reason or another. So, yeah, and we had a good love life together, mm-hmm. you know, even though we were older people. Yeah, so I married him when I was 55. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I'm not sorry. Yeah. It was um, a tumultuous marriage at the end, um, but I'm not sorry that I married him. He was a good person. Yeah. So what what did you learn from your marriage with Ray and your marriage from Bob and your marriage with Don? What did you learn? Uh, I learned that communication is the key for every successful relationship. Okay. And honesty um, is uh, has to come right under communication. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not honest with someone and you don't tell them how you really feel about what's happening or what your emotional um, situation is with the decisions that are made or the way you're being treated... They're not going to know the real you. Right. And honesty is always the best policy, even if the person that you're talking to doesn't want to hear what you have to say. Yep. Because then there's no question about how you feel. Right. And then they can either deal with it or not. Right. That's good. And you have to you have to also allow them the ability to do that with you. Right. You know, so you have to be willing to listen to how what you're doing is affecting them. Sure. And be willing to accept the responsibility if it's yours, but also realize that the way they feel is the way they feel and sometimes it has nothing to do with you. Right, that's good. That you're not at fault for the way they feel. Right. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. is in control of their own feelings, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think people's feelings are valid, your feelings are, and your emotions are valid, but how you reacted to whatever is happening or how you're reacting based off your emotions, that's where you need to take responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the only person that's in charge of that is you. Right. You're in exactly. control of how you react. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best things you can learn how to do, and that's, that is included in marriages, but also outside that and every other yeah. uh, relationship and situation you're in. You have control how about how you react to a given situation, yeah. whether it stays calm, whether it becomes volatile, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So that's a very important self-control to have. Yeah, very beneficial. It's been really eye-opening for myself, just being a young adult, noticing how much power your own thoughts and your own actions have. No one's coming to save you. No one's going to do the hard things. No one's, you know, you, it's up to you. And I struggle with that, the thoughts that I have. I've I've had to ask myself, is this coming from God? Is this coming from my hurt, like wounded inner child? Or is this coming from, you know, whispers from the enemy? And having to decipher those different things and responding to them accordingly. That's- and that's good for you because it builds your inner strength. Right. And it gives you self-worth. Yeah. Because you know you're capable of overcoming whatever comes your way. Mm-hmm. 
you're intelligent, you're beautiful, you have, uh, uh, you have good people skills, uh, you're a good mother, you know, that's enough. You don't need anything like anything more than that right now. Yeah. That's enough. That's, that's enough. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, so kind of hard left topic change. Okay. You have three children. I do. Do you feel comfortable speaking about sure. your relationships yes, with them? I do. So I have two little kids who are seven and five and they are my world. Obviously we haven't reached all of the ages, so I only have experience from seven to newborn. Um, I couldn't imagine having like an estranged relationship from them. Obviously that'll be out of my control, but I'm doing everything best in my power now to be like the best mom I can be. So hopefully we have a better foundation and we can have better relationships. You don't speak with your oldest. That's her choice. That's her choice. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I have reached out to her many times. I don't know why that is. I just don't. I don't think she likes me and I don't think I don't think she likes me as a human and I don't think she respects me uh, for the choices that I've made in my life. She's very um, mm. I think the marriage that I had with Ray probably affected her detrimentally more than right. the other two because She's she was older. old enough to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things I want to talk to you about is the relationship you have with your children because you can be the best mother in the world, but when those kids start to develop their own trains of thought and they yeah. turn 18, mm -hmm. then it's completely out of your control. Right. That's a hard lesson to learn <clears throat> for all of mothers, I think. Um, I was never an empty nester. I was always glad to see my children go, mm -hmm. probably because I was an only child and mm -hmm. I liked my solitude, uh, and I felt like motherhood was a job. It was a task. It wasn't okay. a pleasure. I didn't get pleasure until my grandchildren were born and my great-grandchildren were born. Then I, then I don't have the responsibility mm -hmm. of raising and directing and guiding and helping and supporting. It's, it's all about pleasure. Well, did you try to find joy or pleasure in being a mother? You just had a lot, you had a lot going on. I think, you know, a lot of it is I've forgotten a lot. Okay. I have forgotten a lot because, okay. yes, we did go and cut Christmas trees and right. we did go to the ocean camping and sure. we did have birthday parties at roller rinks and we did, we did yeah, do all did that. All so, things. yes, I, I did. But um, uh, I, was a, I was a strict mother. Right. One of the reasons probably is because I was an only child and I'm a control freak. Right. So everything had to be a certain way at a certain time. Uh, I, I admire the fact that you're as easygoing as you are with your children. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. Uh, but I did the best I could at the time. Uh, I, I, uh, I didn't. Uh, I had no parenting tools because they didn't teach you how to be a parent when I was, you know, yeah. a young woman. And, and I uh, was caught up in what I was doing and didn't think to investigate it or learn mm -hmm. how to be a better parent. That's you know? honest. Yeah. So I, I, just, I just kind of muddled my way through it. My oldest daughter uh, has come back to visit in her adulthood. I flew over to Japan when she had her first baby. Mm -hmm. Um I hadn't married Bob yet, but Rob and Ivy were home then, and I spent some time with her there. But uh, Carrie is a very emotional, um, a very emotional person. That's enough. And so I, we're very different. Right. And um, I don't think that she likes the person that I am, and and that's okay. That's okay. You know, I, she hasn't talked to me. 
in such a long time and it's always strained and if it's easier for her to be um, isolated away from her family then good on I mean because I know Rob and Ivy have tried to go you know when her oldest yeah. daughter got married they flew back to Colorado and went to the the wedding and it, it's it's in a strange relationship with all of us mm -hmm. so I think that where she is is where she chooses to be um, it um, doesn't make me sad no no was there ever no. a time that it made you sad uh-uh When she was a child and a teenager, were you guys close? No. Or, oh, really? Nope. So do you feel like she? Do you feel like she reflects your mother? They were close, right? Yes, they were very close. Okay. Yes, yeah, she reflects my mother, and I think that when I left her father, it destroyed her world. She was a cheerleader. Uh, she, uh, I think, she felt like the family was coming apart, and I don't think she's ever gotten over that resentment. Got it. Okay. So I respect that, and the choices that she makes are the. Ch if she contacted me tomorrow, would I welcome her into my home? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I've made many attempts to approach. You know, I've I sent her. I got all I of her. Yeah, and yeah, it didn't. It, it, it no pictures. change and no response. Right. So that's her choice, and you know, you just have to let certain things lie. Right. I have a pretty good relationship with Rob. Yeah. Rob and I are pretty much alike. Mm -hmm. What you see is what you get, straight from the shoulder. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit more extreme than me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, he, I can look him in the face and tell him whatever I need to tell him, and right. he can do the same with me. Your mother, I handle with kid gloves. Your mother is uh, a different person than I am. She has, she has inner strength. Like she does. I do. Mm -hmm. um, she has different values than I do. Mm -hmm. um, if I needed her and I called her, would she help me? Absolutely, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Sure. Um, but the lifestyle that she has is um, not not one that I would choose. I don't judge her for choosing the one that she has, but I. Um, We've had enough uh, emotional turmoil in the mm -hmm. last few years that uh, it's better for me to see her uh, in short, uh, controlled circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel Do you feel responsible for how? I don't know. No, I do not feel you responsible don't. for how my children grew up and turned out. No. Nope. Right. Because I raised them all three the same, mm -hmm. and they're all very different human beings. Right. And like I told you, when someone starts making their own life decisions, and they do what they think is best for them in their life, and you see them making a mistake, it's out of your control, or what you think is a mistake. Right. Um, and you um, stand back and watch, and see how it turns out. I, I, don't, I don't think that anything I did to any, I don't think in the way that I raised my children was detrimental. It wasn't always loving and kind, but it wasn't detrimental. Okay. Yeah. And, and I raised them all the same. And so uh, I was probably a little bit softer with your mother. Mm -hmm. She was the baby. Because she was the baby. Yeah. I think you still are softer with her. Uh, you are. I, I've learned to be forgiving. Yeah, there's a lot of grace. You have, oh, you have to you have to learn how to forgive in your life, otherwise it hurts you. Yeah. 
that's good. You're the only person it hurts if you're not forgiving. That's good. But you also forgive with, um, you know, you can still have a trust issue and forgive and forgive 100%. someone. Yes. So you learn to still love people and spend time with people, but you only allow them to. Um, have so much access or influence in your life uh-huh. and then you and then yeah that's mm-hmm. good yes but it because if you love someone just because they're not the human that you want them to be or you don't do, agree with the decisions that they make or you don't like their lifestyle doesn't mean that they're not worth loving that's good i agree it's a very godly way to look at that too i don't think of myself as godly but okay <laughs> no that was good Okay. That's well, a hard thing to do sometimes. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's a hard lesson to learn. Sometimes it takes years to learn it. You know, what your parameters are. How, how you can still love that person uh, with, within acceptable parameters in your life without allowing them to be detrimental, influential-wise. Right. Yeah. All right, I want to wrap it up. Lastly... <laughs> What have been lessons you've learned, or I don't know, really anything that you you would want me or pass down to Ryan for us to remember that you've learned throughout life? The same things I tell you every day. Which are? Which are um, live your life today because you may not have tomorrow, um, <clears throat> which is a shortened version of li- uh, uh, life is short and then you die. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I've, you know, I've lived more years now than I have to live. So it's an interesting place to be in my life. What else have I learned? Communicate with the people that you love and tell them that you love them. Uh, uh, wisdom is gained through suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, you put yourself in a position and you think, how the hell did I get here? You learn a really good lesson. Mm-hmm. A really good one. And it stays with you for life. Yep. Um, what else have I learned? Try to be kind and loving, even when you don't want to be. Yep, that's good. <laughs> that's a hard one for me. That's a hard one for me. Um, measure what you say to the people that you love. Because once you say it, you can never take it back. Yep. Um, a good one you tell me is one day at a time. Oh, yeah. You, I yeah. know that. I live by that now. It it really makes a big difference. I didn't learn that until I was in my 40s. That's when I became pretty self-aware because I would lay in bed at night and stress, you know, stress. And, and then when I was retiring and you were pregnant with Ryan and your mother was divorcing John and I was getting ready to retire and, yeah. and Dawn was being a nut, you know, it was like, I felt like I was having a nervous breakdown. I right. was crying and you know me, I don't cry very much. Right. And I went to a psychiatrist because I need. I thought maybe I was getting Alzheimer's or I was have. You know, I right. want an answer when I don't feel like me. Mm-hmm. And he said, "No, you just have your plate is full. Mm-hmm. You know, your plate is full." And so that's when I started realizing that I can only handle what's happening today. I'm just going to get through today, and I was working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just get through today, and I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. That's good. And that's one of the best lessons you can learn. Yeah, you you know, planning is one thing, yes. But yes. your emotional life, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, then you just need to worry about today. That's good. All right, Graham. Thank you for your time. Sure. Do you have anything else? Nope. I love you. I love you, too. Okay.
<laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time.